Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you once again with uh, some timeless truth from God's precious Holy Word. I pray that you are thriving in God's grace during this holiday season here in the U.S. We have begun the season with a celebration of Thanksgiving by a presidential proclamation for several centuries. We have, as a people, gathered on the fourth Thursday of November and uh, given thanks for the great blessings that God has poured out upon us and invoked His presence and His help. We continue to do that today, my friends. It's been several, a couple of weeks since I've broadcast because I've had some surgery and illness and travels and that sort of thing. But be that as it may, let's uh, continue our study of the subject of believing and behaving in Babylon in the 21st century. Today we are completing Daniel's prophecy chapter 9. We're going to look at God's response to Daniel's wonderful prayer in the first 19 verses, really verses 4 through 19. And uh, today we will see how God responded to that prayer in revealing to his beloved and favored servant what was to come far beyond Daniel's days, but even extending into our days and beyond. So, Get your copy of Scripture, open it to Daniel chapter 9 in whatever language and translation speaks to your heart most clearly, and pray with me. Father, I thank you for my precious friends and beloved brothers and sisters out there, and the way that you are at work in our lives, even though sometimes we don't see you at work, and it doesn't seem like you're at work, and we're in pain, and Uh, We have disappointments and failures, and uh, even sometimes, Lord, we just think that you don't know about us at all, but you always care about your people, and you look after us and lift us up. So today, Lord, as we once again open up your word, I pray that you would use this teaching and this time to encourage your people out there that are in desperate need of encouragement throughout this world. Uh, Some need healing, some need comforting, some need strengthening, some need to be courageous today. So, Lord, you know what we need, so we look to you, Lord God Almighty, and thank you for the privilege and opportunity to come and uh, speak your word, study your word together, and we ask all this in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Very well now. We, two weeks ago, I believe it was, looked at Daniel's wonderful prayer of confession of the sins of his people, his, uh, his prayer of identification with their sins and the acknowledgement that the nation of Israel was in captivity uh, because of their sin, uh, their outright immorality, their idolatry, their injustice. Uh, It was blatant and consistent. They had turned their backs on God. And as a result, he had no choice because of his own holiness and the very fact that the Jewish people and even Jerusalem itself bore his name. 
he had no choice but to discipline them and to essentially destroy, destroy Jerusalem as it was built in his honor and for his glory to start with because his glory had been defiled by the sins of his people. And I think this is a sober reminder to us as God's people who bear the name of Christ that we must be serious about maintaining our spiritual integrity and our biblical integrity in today's world, in today's 21st century Babylon. So let's just give a read. Uh, This is a short passage. We're going to begin in verse 20 of Daniel's uh, book, chapter 9, uh, verse 20 through 27. And an angelic messenger once again shows up. Uh, uh, He calls him a man. It's Gabriel, the man or hero of God is what his name means. And simply, he is a messenger. He is communicating from God himself to God's servant Daniel a truth concerning the future. He has revealed to Daniel through dreams, dreams to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, visions to Belshazzar. Uh, we we talked about a few weeks ago Daniel's own dreams that troubled him so so immensely. And today, uh, in today's passage, we're going to look at this famous and mysterious episode where Daniel re- reveals the seventy weeks of Israel's future. The 70 weeks, what on earth can that possibly mean? So get your copy of scripture and read along with me, beginning in Daniel 9, verse 20. I'm reading from the New American Standard translation of the English Bible. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, see, he was praying for Jerusalem. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me, saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. And at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So Gabriel shows up. Daniel knows who he is. He's seen him before, but I'm sure he's still a fearsome creature. And Daniel is probably trembling in his sandals there in his room where he's been praying and crying out to the Lord for his people and for his city. And and now Gabriel, the man of God, the the archangel, has come to Daniel to explain what is is going to happen in the future. Much of this, most of this, Daniel will not personally experience in the flesh. He will be gone because it deals with many, many centuries in the future. Then the 70 weeks, beginning in verse 24. Seventy weeks are decreed. God's ordained this. He has set it about. He has set it in stone, if you will. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand 
that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. May God add his understanding and reading to the the reading of his word. Now, I have given you links to the study notes, which are this time quite extensive, actually, because they include actually a couple of commentaries that I that I normally don't include in your study notes, but I've annotated them and included them for your personal study. There's so much more than we could ever hope to cover in a session like this and in a broadcast like this, my friends. But let's just see if we can hit the high points here, shall we? Uh, God responded to Daniel's heart. He saw his heart of contrition and his his deep sorrow over the sins of his people and over the resulting consequences of God's punishment and his discipline. But God favored Daniel. Daniel found favor with God. He humbled himself before the Lord. Daniel, by this time, had served perhaps 70 weeks or more, or 70 years, rather, or more, uh, in the service of the kings of Babylon and in Medo-Persia. He had been a faithful servant of the Lord God in this pagan court. We are often called upon to be faithful servants of our Lord God in our pagan environment. We, we must never forget that. We're to do, to do our work with excellence and integrity. We're to be honest and, and just in all of our dealings and, and most excellent in all of our work. That brings glory to God, and it begs the question. And now, we're never, we are never to uh, defile ourselves. We're never to violate God's command or his principles, never to do that. But we can always find creative alternatives, and we can always deal with our authorities in a, in a just manner. So that's what Daniel and his friends, they had done that and found favor, not only with their masters, but with God. Now, the future has been laid out to Daniel here. He has been the interpreter of dreams to the pagan rulers. And now, God needs to interpret truth to him, the things that are mysterious and hidden and veiled. Uh, These things have been, he says, 70 weeks have been decreed. Okay, now that's talking about about some numbers here. The number seven, 
you understand is a biblical number that often means completion or perfection, fulfillment. It had a, the number seven had a an even uh, deeper meaning, more serious meaning to the Jewish people because God had created the, the world in seven days. He created, he did all of his work in six days. Then on the seventh day, on Shabbat, he re- rested. He, he, he took Shabbat. So that was the seventh day, and there, thereby God ordained that things happened in sevens. Very, very often they happen in sevens. The Jubilee years, every seven years, every seven period of seven years, 49 years, was to be a, a year of Jubilee, and all the captives, all the slaves were to be freed, all the debts were to be forgiven. And of course, this caused much consternation, we understand, in those who owned slaves, those who had lent out things and uh, expected to be repaid. But there were, there were provisions for such things. But over time, Israel forgot the, sh- the jubilees. And now God had put them in captivity for 70 years. That is a, a long period of time, and, and there's no and it's no accident that it's 70 years. He says we're going to do a complete jubilee. We're going we're going to let the land rest for 70 years. Now, when he had set things up with the Jewish people, he says every seven years is a is a Sabbath year. Okay, you work your land for six years, then you let it rest for a seventh year. You don't plow. You don't reap. You store up for yourself the food that you'll need for the next year or at the end of the sixth year. And then the seventh year, you let it rest. And then every seven times seven years, every 49 years, is a year of jubilee. And you set everything right. You set everything back to its, to its place of shalom every 49 years. But the people of Israel had not done that. And so God says to reinforce my design, not only for the earth, but for you, you're going to rest, not seven, but 70 years. You're going to be in captivity. And now he says there's 70 weeks. Now, what's he talking about? 70 periods of seven days? No. In prophetic language, he's talking about 70 periods of seven years. In other words, 400 90 years total. It's going to be a time period, a block of time. Now, it's not all contiguous. There are gaps in this time, in this period of 70 sevens. And this, in this period of 70 times seven years, 490 years. So let's, let's look at it again. Okay, he starts, starts off by saying, he says, in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince shall be seven weeks. Okay, so seven weeks, what would that be? 49 years, right? Now, there's been lots of debate, lots of commentary on when this actually took place. There were no fewer than four commands, decrees that went forth out of the Medo-Persian Empire that Jerusalem be rebuilt. 
Now you can you can look at Ezra and Nehemiah as historical records of what went on during that time, but there was a period of forty nine years. Okay, uh, then for sixty two weeks. Okay, four hundred. How many is that? What is that? You multiply the sixty two weeks times seven years, and that's a long period of time. Four hundred some odd years. Right. It shall be built with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. So that there was going to be a troubled time. Now, when is Daniel writing this? It's in the mid-6th century B.C. And so we know that, that the decree went out to rebuild Jerusalem, and it was gradually, piece by piece, rebuilt, but with much conflict, much strife, wasn't all done perfectly. There was a lot of purging had to go on, a lot of rebuilding had to go on, not just of, of bricks and mortar, but of, of lives and of principles. A lot of things had to go on there in that 62 weeks. And then in 168 BC, Antiochus Epiphanes came along and destroyed everything, defiled everything. And so he's going to say for that 400 year period, Jerusalem's going to be reestablished after a fashion, but not without trouble, not without strife and conflict, okay? Uh, after after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off. All right, so we we know that that uh, Antiochus Epiphanes came and he defiled the temple, okay? He defiled Jerusalem. He did horrible things to God's people. All that was predicted by Daniel's visions, horrible things. So we know all that happened. So what are we really talking about this first prince? There's there's much disagreement about who this is. Okay, about the timing of the degree, even there are at least four different degrees. The 49-year period, these seven weeks, seem to refer to the re- completion of the restoration, at least of the moat and the plaza around the temple in Jerusalem. There would even be conflict during that restoration period. And we talked about that uh, reading in Ezra and Nehemiah, their records. A total of 69 weeks, years, or, or 69 weeks of years, or 483 years, would pass until the next major event in future history. Uh, Gabriel's telling Daniel about all this. You know, what What does this really indicate there, there was a gentleman back in the 19th century that did a meticulous comp, uh, calculation based on biblical records and, and the records that he had, the historical records he had at the time. Uh, to the day, he had, as he had calculated that to the day Jesus would enter Jerusalem on what we call Triumphant Sunday the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, he would enter Jerusalem and would be cut off without having anything of his own. He would be completely cut off. He died even without having his own robe. His disciples temporarily abandoned him. And then there's this mysterious uh, reference in verse 26 to the second prince, another ruler who would come. Now, was the first prince, was that talking about Messiah? Well, the the notes I've given you tend to think that way. Many people think it was referring to the Messiah being cut off, Jesus being crucified. But there's a second prince. Now, there's a gap in history here. 
This is the church age, as some people call it, that Daniel would not have been able to understand. The prince was also to come. Some see that as Antiochus, Epiphanes. Some see the second prince as referring to Antichrist. Others to the Romans in 70 AD that, that destroyed the temple. Uh, that three facts are clear to us here. Okay, let's look at this. Three facts from verse 26. Number one, Jerusalem will be destroyed, and that destruction will be sudden, violent, and complete. Well, that was accomplished certainly by the Romans in 70 AD. It was also accomplished, well, by the Babylonians. It was accomplished by Antiochus. There were several accomplishments, but we can certainly look to the Romans in 70 AD. Antithesis of Messiah, an anti-Messiah, if you will, will arise. And he will be behind that destruction. That sounds a whole lot to me like Antichrist. And God will ultimately do away with that second prince. He'll destroy the destroyer. Friends, what the, you, know, you, you look at this and you can even see where you have a division of the final week, the final seven years. You see that divided right in, the, right in the half. That for the first three and a half years, the Jews are going to be favored. There'll be a covenant. Uh, with the Jews, uh, by this second prince, by this this antichrist, but then he will he will violate, he will break that covenant at the at the midpoint. People who are who see the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, see this as a direct reference to that that terrible seven years of tribulation, and in the mid middle of that tribulation period, the the antichrist will began to do despicable, defiling things uh, in Jerusalem. And it will get, things will go from bad to worse. I've seen many studies just paralleling what Daniel's talking about here and the trumpet and bold judgments of Revelation. Uh, we can we can look at what Ezekiel talks about, what Ma- Jesus himself talks about in Matthew chapter 24. My friends, these are confusing and and uh, and they can be very distressing predictions, prophecies. But we we've got to hold on here. We can't be distracted by this. Okay, we've got to realize these things have been predicted. They've been decreed. They're ordained. They are gonna happen. But they're gonna happen when God says they're gonna happen, and they're gonna happen just the way He says. This is one one place where we're going to need 2020 hindsight. We're going to look back at this when we say, this is exactly what God was talking about. But let's finish this portion of our study up, okay? We're going to, we're going to go to the final, the, the bottom line here. The second prince is destroyed. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus' disciples saying, what are these things going to happen? Are, are you about to take over the kingdom now? Of course, this is before his arrest and crucifixion. Jesus tells us of this one and of this time, of the Antichrist, of this horrible instrument of Satan. He tells us about that in Matthew chapter 24. This last week of years, this seven-year period of time, is seen by many as the, quote, great tribulation, end quote. It's separated from the 483 years that we've talked about, you know, the seven years, the 69 years. It's separated from that 483 years by a gap. 
Now that gap could be the church age. It could be a dispensation of grace that will give God's people in the world yet one final opportunity to repent and to turn to God through Jesus. And he will make a firm covenant. This prince, so-called, this ruler, Antichrist, will appear to bless the Jews of his day. But in the middle of the week, after three and a half years, the covenant will be broken and he will put a stop to the sacrifice. Antichrist himself will forbid worship of anyone but himself. He will try to set himself up in God's place. You can look at that in Revelation chapter 13 as well. Direct correlation there. And in Matthew 24, you can read that, 15 and 16, he says, Until the complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate, the destroyer himself will be completely destroyed. Friends, we need to take heart. Bad things are going to happen. Troublesome times are going to happen. Are going to happen. God said it would. We, we know it's going to happen. But take heart. God wins. He knows all this is happening. He's ordaining it to happen. We just need to hold on and hold on to him. Well, how are we to live in 21st century Babylon? That's the, that's where we are here. So, well, we look in, in Revelation chapter 17, and we see that the ultimate destruction of Babylon, the corrupt world system of ages, happens then we're not to love the world you know john the apostle told us in first john chapter 2 do not love this world or the things that are that are in the world for the things that are in the world the lusts of the flesh the lusts of the eyes and the boastful pride of life are not from the father but are from the world we're not to, we're not to live in that world system as we observe and deal with the increasingly corrupt an evil society? Would you would you agree that, that describes our our society and our world today? What must we do? We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. What does it say in Hebrews chapter twelve? Oh, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and rest in his promises of eternal life. Jesus has a promised has promised eternal life to all those who believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a promise, okay? And ultimately, he will rescue us. He is able to save to the uttermost those who place their faith in him and trust in him. We must strive for justice and righteousness in our world and all in all of our affairs. Oh, our our current world system of justice is corrupt. It's misguided. Has nothing to do with is with, with restoring shalom and and God's peace and pl- plan and and uh, principles. God's promises are are true. God's promises are firm. The enemy will deceive us and will lie to us to weaken our faith. That's what his strategy is and his tactics are. And to undermine our effectiveness, to get us, to trip us up, to undermine us. We can't let that happen. We've got to stay on the alert. We've got to hold each other up. 
Ah, Christians are notorious for shooting our wounded, as it were. Yeah, we're in a battle. We don't need to kill off our own people, right? We need to lift each other up. We need to encourage each other. We need to bear one another's burdens. What's the the end of it all? Let us, in these coming days, my friends, reflect on these promises and on the surety that God has this in control. He has ordained it since the beginning, and he's going to bring it to pass. We need to be with him. Let's reflect on these promises and ensure prophecies of what will come and, and just rest in him who will rescue us from that destruction. Oh, find yourself in the Lord God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and the work he did on the cross. And that's how we should live. That's how we should believe. That's how we should behave in Babylon 2021. Pray with me. Father, thank you for my friends out there. Thank you for your sure and promised word. Your flawless, flawless, perfect word. Now, Father, burn it into our hearts, your truth. And let us serve with integrity and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Father, I thank you for hearing us pray. All this we ask in Jesus' name with gratitude and praise. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Hope to see you next week.